The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome to Christians, Conservatives, Constitutionalists, Libertarians, Communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live here from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Also, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, which, by the way, if you'd like to check us out, please do so. Go to um, Sons of Liberty Media, uh, Sons of Liberty Radio dot com, or Sons of Liberty Media, Sons of Liberty Radio dot com, or Sons of Liberty Media dot com. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting uh, several things as I'm trying to set up our guests. We're having some technical difficulties, still having the problems with the restream, and um, so I've got <laughs> three, four things going on this morning. Even upgraded the streaming service, so. Trying to get a hold of Restream right now, it's they're not looking very good to me. They've been good to me in the past here, uh, but as far as the radio show is going, well, we're trying to get this stuff out. Uh, they are completely MIA, and they're saying there's a problem with our, our YouTube issue or their YouTube API. But uh, what we've what we've got going on is is that. Uh, it's affecting everything. I can turn off that and you don't get it. So guys, if you're, you know, you listen here at Red State and you move over to a YouTube or a Facebook or something like that, it's just not working. It just keeps restarting and restarting, restarting. And I even upgraded the, the software this morning to see if we could sort that out. So my apologies for that. It's beyond my control to do anything. But you guys can still check us out, sonslibertyradio.com, sonslibertymedia.com. You can also watch the live video feed when it's working, <laughs> or you can follow our posts at Twitter, uh, FPP Tim on Twitter, FPP Tim on Twitter. Check out our Facebook page, Bradley Dean SOL, Bradley Dean SOL on Facebook. Our YouTube channel is B Dean Sons of Liberty, B Dean Sons of Liberty on YouTube. Uh, normally we're up on beforeitsnews.com. Now, uh, even though, uh, you know, we're not streaming live right now, and I've got a little issue here with the camera that I probably need to adjust a little bit. Um, we are recording that, and it does get archived. So that will be up at sonslibertymedia.com if you want to see the video portion or if you want to get the podcast. That will be available there with all of the extra stuff we're going to talk about today at sonslibertymedia.com. That will be on later this morning. You'll also see it up at beforeitsnews.com. Then you can also find us on Spreely, Gab, MeWe, Minds, and USA.life under Sons of Liberty or Sons of Liberty Media. 
and um, also on DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty, at DLive.tv, The Sons of Liberty. Okay, that's all the formalities out of the way, and we're going to get to what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're having a little problem um, getting Lynn on, and I don't, we're trying this Zoom thing, and for whatever reason, uh, when Lynn and I try to connect with that, we seem to have some problems. So are you there, Lynn? I am, yeah. All right, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Uh, good morning to you. Good. Okay. Good morning. I, so. I'll go. I know in spite of all the, the hardships, I hope <laughs> it's going well today. Okay. Yeah, well, me too. Me too. And I think there's a lot of things. We're going to take a little bit of time to kind of talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in the country, and then we're going to give some ideas. In fact, you'll be happy to know this. We're going to be interviewing Alex Newman. And mm-hmm. uh, Alex is going to come on, and uh, we're going to you know, really encourage people who have their children out of school and maybe they're not working to take advantage of this time. This is going to be something we, we do today uh, in, in what we're being told. Now, before we did, I told you I wanted to address a couple of things. Now, there's, there's some things out there that's being said, um, and it's the first time I've ever heard it, and that is mm-hmm. – um, that the viruses viruses don't transfer from one person to the other the way we're being told. In fact, our bodies are pretty much covered in virus. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out, okay? Uh, but I had I had a nurse explain this to me. I had some other guy. He popped on YouTube to exp- he didn't explain it. He just said it. But apparently there are uh, studies that are out, um, scientific studies that are out that show we're just being lied to. We're we're just having bold-faced lies told to us, and the people are so scared that they're going to get this virus that they're that they're being told about that they're willing to give up all of their liberties in one fell swoop. Um and that's not working out so good for the people in in England. That's not working out too good for them. Um I don't know how you attack a microbe with bullets and armies and tanks and helicopters and all that stuff that they got going on over there in Britain. And from what I understand, we're moving some of that out into New York and California and in D.C. And it's just amazing to me to watch people roll over and self-imprison themselves in their homes. That's just amazing to me. what, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, nowhere in history have we seen the the people just, you know, lock, stock, and barrel buy into the fact of, oh, well, this is what the government says, and this is what the CD, uh, CDC says, and this is what who says, and, you know, that's part of the problem. We're listening to the wrong sources. And I think our government... Oh, my goodness. No, there's no think about it. I know our government is leading us down the wrong path. I mean, look how quickly they have shoved any kind of uh, deal through uh, D.C. about funding or this sort of thing or that sort of thing. And it's like, okay, so we're going to trade all our freedoms for a little bit of cash. Yeah, I mean, if you can even call it a little bit, a thousand dollars is not really that much money, and uh, and they and they get over there and fight about it. And I think maybe if you're a family like ours is, I mean, we've 
you know, most of our kids, uh, half of them are, are grown now. So I don't know what they're, what they're planning on sending, I think for a married couple. And then, you know, it's like what $2,400 or something, and then $500 per kid that you have in your house. So even with that, I mean, you're not even talking $5,000 and, um, but, but more amazing to me than that is, is that people Mm -hmm. continue to think this president is America first, that he's not a socialist president, that he, he's not Marxist in what he does. Now, look, I get the thing about the borders. Great. Fine. But when you take and you put, you just dump $1.5 trillion into Wall Street to prop it up. And that's what socialism is. I mean, Victor, mm-hmm. Victor had it right the other day. He said, we've been socialist ever since we had, uh, we created a central bank. That's, that's what funds and motivates socialism there. Right. So, so you've got that going on, $1.5 trillion going in there. Then they're asking for almost another trillion to give to the American people, and they can't even get, you know, get that straightened out. Uh, they're bickering and fighting and politicking over all of that. Then you've got talk by the Fed of injecting four to six trillion dollars into businesses, small businesses of which <laughs> I guess Walmart falls into that, according to uh, some in the administration. So we have all of that. That people, you need to understand that money is being printed out of thin air, but the debt's being laid on you and me. That's what's being laid mm-hmm. on, and that I mean. It, but people love it. They just love it. He's doing a great job. He's well, and it's, and then the governors were being told to listen to the governors who come up with some of the most ridiculous um, impositions of unauthorized authority. We've not authorized them to do any of this mess that they're doing. Uh, telling right. businesses, well, you can't have people in your dining room, but you can just let you could let three hundred people in there at one time to order their food. They just can't stay there and eat it. It's really stupid. I, it's not going to stop anything yeah. if that's even to be believed. Right. Well, if you look at Congress.gov right now, Tim, and you type in COVID, not just COVID nineteen. If you just type in COVID ninety six bills, okay, or resolutions ninety six. And all of them are recent. And we had a fast track bill go through and become law. And that was before any of the sequestering and all that kind of garbage went through. And um, I think I sent that link to you last night. It was the um, Families First, I believe it was, for the COVID-19. And, um, yeah, but look at the way that business has been kowtowed to more so than the people. Now, taxpayer funds, first of all, should go for the people, not the businesses. Those businesses should be able to sort themselves out. Uh, but no, we're rescuing uh, cruise lines and um, all kinds of things because, after all, we need those. And, well, what about the people, you know? I mean, my goodness. Well, this gets to something yesterday uh, that I dealt with. And see, I don't even think the money ought to be going to the people. I think what they should have done well, was just left right. everybody alone. But I got we got into this thing, and this is where I'm, I'm, I'm just asking people, just think about what's going on here. When you have somebody who has been a quote-unquote Democrat, 
And all of a sudden, because the other team's just winning, you know, or appears to be winning huge, okay, then they want to move to that team. They want to put that political jersey on. But I got to ask you something. Did they change their ideology? Did did, did no. they somehow come to a thing of saying, oh, we want, we want to obey the Constitution or something? I mean, what happened there? And nobody asked this question. They didn't ask it in the, in the walk-away movement and all this other stuff. Okay, people are leaving the Democrat Party. So what? What is their ideology towards the law? That's the question. They can still mm-hmm. have the same thing come in your party and make it worse than it already is. Because we already right. know where the Republican Party is. I mean, it's right. it, it, it's a, it has become a spineless party. So I'm dealing with some guys in the chat yesterday, and we're talking about this money going out. And this one guy, he goes, we have a constitutional right to a stimulus. No, we don't. I was like, what? So guess what? Guess what he guess what he mentions as the uh, the standard for that. I said, you know, I do what I normally do. I said, uh, article section clause, mm-hmm. please. And wow. um, this guy said he copied and pasted it from somebody. And basically, what he did was he said the Fifth Amendment. Now, most people understand the Fifth Amendment as you know, I plead the Fifth. That's you know, I don't mm-hmm. have to incriminate myself, and that's part of it. But this is what it says, just so people understand. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime. I'm going to put this up on the screen here. Uh, unless on a presentment or indi- indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service in time of war or public danger. I think that's why the president keeps calling this a war. It's not a war. I mean, <laughs> this no. is ridiculous. It's so he can impose all those things from that Defense Production Act. Nor shall any mm-hmm. person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Now, it's that last little part there where these guys jump mm-hmm. on it and they say, oh, see, we have, a, we have a constitutional right to a stimulus. That money that they're wanting to send us, that's our money. Well, no, it's, <laughs> it, that's not, our Constitution doesn't authorize any of this stuff. And for those who've not right. seen it, um, I'm trying to think of the guy, oh, Davy Crockett. Everybody remembers Davy Crockett, right? Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> with Davy Crockett, it, it, the story goes that when he went to D.C. to become a representative, he, there was a fire in Georgetown. I think five homes or something burned, um, and so everybody got you know charitable with everybody else's money in D.C. And so they authorized, uh, unlawfully, they authorized $20,000 to go to these families who were burned out of their house. So Davy Crockett goes back after that's been done. He goes back to his you know hometown there, and he's he's petitioning people to to vote for him again. And one man told him, he said, "Look, I'm not voting for you again." And he says, "Well, why not?" And he goes, "Because th- that twenty thousand could have just been twenty million. You weren't authorized. It wasn't yours to give away. 
And if you wanted to be charitable, all you guys, he basically said, all you guys could have gave up a week, a month's pay and made that $20,000. $20, you could have paid it charitably instead of used government to be charitable, which government is not, it can't be charitable. And he says, so in, in essence, you stole from the people. And uh, if I recall the story correctly, Davy Crockett lost, um, and I because I think there were other people who saw it too for what it was, and yet here we go, we want to give everybody, you know, and everybody's just ready to to take it. The quote unquote conservatives too. Oh yes, give us that money, give us as much as you can. And I understand the desire for that. I do. I understand the desire, but that's not the principles by which we live. And and God has told us, you shall not steal. Well, Tim, it's it's. It, we're not stealing it from anybody. Well, he says he hates unjust weights and measures too. And when you're just printing money out of thin air and saying it's valuable, uh, what do you think that's doing to your dollar? What do you think that's going to do to the prices of stuff that you buy? It causes inflation. There's just no – nobody right. can deny that. And so we're doing it to well, ourselves. We're doing it to ourselves. Right. And, and think about this. Back in um, – back when Obama was in office and we had that – big stimulus package that was supposed to do all kinds of things, I think, create jobs and, and, you know, help people out and all this other kind of stuff. These people who who seem to be accepted of this particular stimulus, they're, they're forgetting that, you know, they were pitching a fit over the one that was connected with Obama. And, you know, it was what the America Recovers Act or some dumb thing. I don't know. Anyway, and we're still paying the price for that. But if you look at this one, uh, it's HR six two zero one. It became public law one one six one two seven. Now it was fast tracked. It was introduced on the eleventh of March, and it became law on the eighteenth. That means it passed. It sailed through the House, and it went through the Senate, and then it went to the President. Now, attached to that are five different amendments, Tim, and one of them is by Rand Paul, who we know has been supposedly diagnosed with this, but it was to amend the IRS uh, tax codes to require a Social Security number for purchases, excuse me, purposes of child tax credit to provide the president the authority to transfer funds as necessary and to terminate U.S. military operations and reconstruction activities in Afghanistan. Now, what does that have to do with a stupid virus in the United States? Yeah, I think what happens is a lot of times is there there's some in the Republican Party who try to do what the what the Democrats do. And that is, okay, if you're going to pass this thing, then we're going to get something out of that. And look, the things that he wants, I, you know, this getting the stuff out of Afghanistan, I think is a good thing. But I agree with you. Why not pass the bills that they, or why don't they put the bills up that they're writing and do them, let them stand on their own. You either support this or you don't support it. And frankly, right. on all these stimulus things and all this other stuff, every congressman should be rejecting every bit of that. But at the same time... Yeah. At the same time, in a situation like this, the people are going to have to say, look, we're not going to be afraid that to go touch a gas pump or touch cash or go get our mail or whatever the thing is they're telling us to be afraid of now. We're not going to do that. We're going to go live our lives like the people I, that I did the story on yesterday. 
where they in California, you know, he, uh, Governor Newsom is supposed to lock everything down and the people are all out at the beach, you know, basically giving the finger. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's what the people need to do in the states. You need to start opening your businesses back up. You need to start defying the tyrants. They are infringing on every bit of our liberties, and we're just letting them do it. I'm telling you, there. This is the e- this would be the easy part. This isn't like you have to go fight a military or you know a foreign troops or or even you know our own troops. Um, it, it's not any of that stuff. It's time the people saw this for what it was. This is a this is a organized movement to tank the economy. And unlike some people think, it isn't to get Donald Trump. It's to get us all. That's what it is. Well, it yeah. is to push us yeah. into a new world order. And if you don't see that, I, I I told you I've been covering this stuff with the Q. Those people, I can't believe that they don't see what's going on here. That they sit back. They don't question it. They don't look at um, the socialism being imposed in these stimuluses and see the infringements of liberties uh, you know, this being pushed as quote unquote for your safety and security. Well, you remember that quote from Franklin. Uh, you deserve neither yeah. if you're going to submit to that. Right. Well, I, I tell you, if the, if the listeners will go to congress.gov and type in HR 6201, that's the one that just was fast tracked. If you look at the related bills, all of them are in committees. And, and let's just go over this for just a second. Okay. We have, of, of the related bills, the health care worker protection, the Meals Act, which is supposed to provide um, meals to the school children who are on the free or reduced lunch while, you know, everybody's in sequestering. But, you know, again, you got to go to the school. So how are you really helping yourself if you're going to the school to get your lunch and you're not supposed to, you know, be in contact with each other? You've got the Emergency Paid Leave Act. You've got the Pandemic EBT Act, which we know that is connected to the electronic funds that go with, um, oh, goodness, the, um, the the food assistance. Then you've got the Child Nutrition Response Act. You've got the No Cost for COVID-19 Testing Act. Then you've got we're going to amend the Social Security Act for the testing of COVID-19 and cost sharing under Medicaid. Well, the uh, centers for Medicaid are sending, are wasting no time getting new protocols out to them to go ahead and cover all kinds of telehealth, medicine, and in anything that connects to Medicaid or, or um, Medicare. And that encompasses not only our children, but our entire families. Right. I'm I'm looking at uh, several things through the bill itself. I mean, good grief. How long is this thing? It's amazing to me, all of the stuff that's in here, uh, nutrition uh, for mm-hmm. the lunch, then the, the Child Nutrition Response Act, uh, SNAP waivers, all of this stuff. And then, you know, here's the thing that, that I don't think people are uh, really paying attention to, and that is this. We have the reports that state that 80% of all positive tests for coronavirus are false. Did you get that? 80% of all tests that are given for coronavirus are 
false. That means whatever numbers you're being told are being inflated, what, five times what they really are of people who have this. Now, my thought is they're going to try to push this mandatory vaccination again. If they don't, look, I don't mind being wrong, but I, don't, I think they're setting up for all of that. They're setting up for a mandatory vaccination. And if you don't get vaccinated, you're really in trouble. Our friend Drew Nolan up in uh, Ohio, uh, he has Victoria Tactical. We've had him on the show several times. Good man. And um, he sent me a text the other day. And he said, this is what's going on up in Ohio. And I didn't know everything that was happening here. But he said, um, he said basically, what they've done is they've come in. And if you're a certain business or something and you need to move about and this, that, and the other, other, they're giving you papers that you have to carry with you. All right. And show them upon demand. Nazi Germany, anybody? Papers, please. Anybody remember those things? This is going on in Ohio. This is going on in Ohio. And on top of that, um, you know, we're uh, the 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 real ID goes out in October. If you haven't heard about that, folks, if you want to go in a government building, a federal government building, if you want to get on a commercial domestic flight, not foreign where you got to have a passport and all that, you want to get on a domestic flight here in the U.S., South Carolina to North Carolina, North Carolina to Florida, whatever the case may be, you have to go and get another driver's license with that's called a real ID. And I can tell you it's just to get more of your money. It's probably got some kind of tracking device or whatever. You've got to have all that. That's coming in October. If that's what you want to do, if you want to get on a flight, you're going to have to have that. That's not conspiracy theory. That is what they've made as law. And if you want to go in a federal building, you've got, you got to have that too. You can't go in there and just show your regular driver's license or whatever. This is coming too. All of this is coming right at the same time. And I am, I am convinced, I'm becoming more and more convinced, not that I didn't know it before, folks, but I'm just becoming more and more convinced the evidence is there that our president and the people in D.C., in large part, have they are not working to make America great again. They are working to bring America to its knees and into a new world order. I believe that with all my heart. And Lynn's been on to show us what they're doing in the USMCA when it comes to education, when it comes to jobs, when it comes to all these things. We're being sold out. But we I told you we would talk about that the first part of the um, the show. And I appreciate you bringing this thing up. I'll make a link for people when we archive the show uh, a little bit later on this morning to HR 6201. But we wanted to give some things that people can do. Uh, look, if you're going to be one of those people who are at home, you don't have the work to do, your kids are going to be at home and this, that, and the other, why not use this opportunity to do what we've been encouraging you to do all along, and that's to educate your own kids and uh, and to find things to do with them so that you begin to learn to do that. And who knows? Alex, in talking with Alex Newman yesterday, uh, he said, wouldn't it be great if parents would learn to do that during this time 
And when the public schools started back up in the fall, we had 5 million less kids in in that public school. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. So we want to kind of encourage some of those things. And so Lynn's given some, uh, she's got some ideas as to some things that, uh, that, that parents can do who are at home saying, oh, what do I do with my kids? I don't know. Let's try parenting. <laughs> right? Oh, oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing, uh, DeVos, oh my gosh, that woman, I cannot stand her, but um, uh, she recently set out this uh, policy guide about, oh, here's what we're going to ensure that our special needs children get while you're at home, and that is the right to an online education. Well, Good gravy. If you read the policy guide, if you read my latest article, you will see, and you read the, the, the guide for yourself, you will see that the tone is set that it's like, again, we're too stupid to know what we're doing, our states especially. They have to be reminded from the federal government, just like a mom would, you know, remind her children to pick up her dirty clothes. Um, you know, we've got the federal government telling us, okay, this is what you're, this is what you need to do as a state to comply with our federal mandates during this time, and here's how we're going to help you out. It's just absolutely insane. Um, so, but so I what do are, know what, what, what do we got? What do we got going on with uh, what do we got going on with DeVos? Because you say she's headed to South America for first ever G20 meeting of education ministers now. Uh, oh, this was um, this was back in 2018. The the picture that you have here. You want to speak to the things that you pointed out here? Well, that's what she, along with President Trump, went down to South America, and they were among the members who okay. were meeting for the new 20. And that's a group of 20, and that's 20 nations that have decided to join together, if you will, and there are kowtowing to the United Nations and the Sustainable Development Goals. But now what the, what the thing was, was that minister of education, but in all these other countries, they have ministers of education. She's a secretary, okay? But this was one meeting where she was included among these other ministers of education. Now I know, but if you look okay, at the Lynn, of the Lynn, meeting, your phone, yes. your phone's breaking up there. It's kind of you're getting robotic on me. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, hang on. Let me see if I can help that just a minute. Uh, I may have to call back in on my home phone. Okay. She's going to go get some fresh air. <laughs> All right. Lynn's gone for just a little bit. She'll call back in in just a moment and uh, we'll pick up from there. But yeah, th- these are things that we've talked about before. Now, one of the things, let me say this while we wait on Lynn to call back in, and that is that uh, I think that one thing that uh, parents can do is they can start to learn to get back to um, the scriptures. When you go back in our history and you look at the literacy rate in America, uh, prior to the War for Independence, what you will discover is you'll discover an incredibly high percentage of literacy in early America. Okay, um, I want to say when I did the the writing, and I, I didn't pull up uh, my article that I did on that, but when I wrote, I'm wanting to say the rural the rural areas were 
somewhere around close to 90%, maybe high 80s. And then when you got into the cities, you found that they were even greater than those of London, England. I mean, they were in the 90 percentile of literacy rates. And why did, how did that come to be? Well, the one thing they almost all had in common was they were reading the Bible in the morning, like at breakfast, and they read it at night. It was a constant use of the scriptures. And so I'd encourage parents, look, uh, this is an opportunity for you. I'll give you just a, one example of something that's going on in England. Um, there was a young lady that contacted me, has two small children, and uh, she said, I'm, I'm not a Christian, I'm not, I'm not a believer, but I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really kind of concerned about this, and I've kind of listened to what you guys have to say, and this, that, and the other. And she said, you know, what do I need to do, and this, that, and the other. And so give her the gospel, and I say, get a Bible. Start to read that. Start to consume that. Ask questions. It's fine to ask questions. Do this thing. She was, uh, you know, fearful for herself and for her children, for what she's seeing. But God tells us not to be afraid. And um, and want to pray. So I think there's a this is a great opportunity a great opportunity for parents to get back in uh, to if you if you've gotten out of the habit uh, to read the Bible with their families to pray with them. That's one of the first and foremost things I think that parents need to do in educating their kids. Now we got Lynn back and uh, somewhere. Yep, are you there, Lynn? Yep. Okay. I am. <laughs> okay. All right. You got some good things. You were talking about DeVos, and I don't know if you want a little bit on that on your article, if you want to speak on that, or if you want to just jump into other things. I, I just want to point out that, once again, we have a supposedly a policy guide. Now, let's remember, D.C. is famous for confusing policy and law is the same thing. No, law is what we should follow. Policy is someone else's interpretation of how that law should be carried out. So, again, we have the Secretary of Education who's totally unqualified to even direct us in traffic, let alone um Education. Here she is one more time. Oh, yes, in this time of danger with COVID-19, I want to make sure that you know that your special needs children have just as much right to a federally mandated education as the rest of everybody. And, oh, what a great quality education it is. And it just the whole tone of, of her five-page or, or however many pages it is document just screams that, you know, the states have to be reminded that, okay, this is where you need to comply, and this is what you need to do, and you should not be denying those children rights to online um, access to education. Well, you know, in the Every Student Succeeds Act, there were funds that were built in for infrastructure changes for every single state, Tim, to do just this, to make sure that every child had 24 7 365 days a year access on a computer a laptop a, a phone a tablet whatever you will device to educational resources and now here we are five years later after this stupid law has passed and we're now at a pandemic level to where oh it's a health emergency so yes we have to have everyone go online well here are a couple of things that we need to to look out it's not just for special education it's for everyone who is hooked up to online education you know the thing of it is, okay, you, you also had the president go in, oh, well, we're not going to have uh, testing, uh, nationally standardized testing, you know, we're going to waive that. And everybody's jumping up and down, oh, how great this is. Well, here's the thing. 
your standardized testing, your end-of-course testing, those might be waived. But what are you going to do about the daily algorithms that are built in to online education that are assessing you? You're not taking that big end-of-course test. You're not taking that big standardized test, but you're daily being uh, data-mined through these algorithms to measure not only what you know, Tim, but your behavior. Because that's how the, the this is this is what we're seeing is this is another way to get in and manipulate your social and emotional learning and it's through these algorithms and it dumbs down what you're looking at. So, you know, who's to say what you're learning at home is really up to your level? You know, we've got to stop this belief that kids have to be in a certain grade at a certain age and they have to be at a certain level. So while the kids are at home, here's the biggest thing, and this is this goes back to when I was a support group leader and would counsel families who were pulling their kids out of public education and they were bringing them home, and they were so afraid that they were going to fall behind. And here's the thing that I would always tell them. First of all, you don't have to hurry up to get them to learn anything because they've been in such a goat rope system that your biggest gift that you could give them as you're bringing them home is to, first of all, let them sleep. Let them sleep. Let them get their body clocks back together. Then you start as a family, and you get your family life back together. Because here's a child that you have been so busy shoving off to school or going to this activity or that activity, and suddenly you don't have these. And now we have uh, parents who are, well, now what do I do with my kid? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm here, they're here. What, you know, I'm just going to let them go off and, and play on their phone. No, you need to draw them out. You need to put the phones down and go play a game or just talk or just be together. Um, it's called de-schooling, and it's, you're taking a break from the public school system as much as you can. You're not getting online. You're not doing all those things if you can, you know, if you can actually opt out of them. I would encourage you to do that. And here's the thing. In, in states like Michigan, while you're at home sequestered, even if you go online, Tim, what you're doing online is not going to count. So why in the heck would you even go on and do this? I don't know. But anyway, point of it is, is you want to de-school them. You, and by de-schooling, I don't mean the movement of you just let them go willy-nilly and learn what they want to learn. What I mean is you de-school them to the point of you're trying to get them back to, first of all, this is my child and I need to have a relationship with my child, not this is my child and I'm going to go send them off to be in, institutionalized. It's, you're getting to have that bond back because these children are so indoctrinated with everything while they're in public schools or if if they're in after-school activities or if they're in apprenticeships or any of these other things that are connected through homeschooling that are part of the public system. So this is a great time for you guys to just be a family. And what does that mean for your family? Does it mean we talk? Does it mean we get we get along? Or maybe we argue? I don't know, but this would be the time to work it out. And this would be the time to just simply have some fun. 
Well, yeah, just to, to live your life uh, would be nice. Uh, I, I, sadly, in my home, uh, for me, it's very hard for me to do much beyond what I do here unless I just kill myself to get something out of the way uh, to make a little time. Um, it's very difficult. Uh, but our family is, you know, here. They're able to do things together. They're able to do um, the the main require, I guess, requirements that that we would see of learning to read and write, do their math, um, be able to read stories together, uh, all learn history together through through things like that. And this is the way you mentioned mm-hmm. the grades and things. This is the way people used to learn in the past. You had a one, you know, anybody who's watched Little House on the Prairie, uh, it wasn't. You know, all of these gradings, all these grades and stuff that they were in, you had kids of all different kinds of ages in the same classroom learning the same stuff, but they learned at their own pace. And that was one of the things that was fascinating to me because uh, when we when we started looking at homeschooling, ah, it's been 25 years ago, uh, and we were looking at that because we believed, okay, that's where we want to go, but... You know, what do we do here? And the more we started listening to people, the more it made sense that, you know, if you were a parent and you know how to read something and learn how to do something, or in the modern age, if you can watch a video like on YouTube, how to change a spark plug or, you know, take out or change your oil or fix something on your your house or whatever, and you can do that and somebody can show you, then you can take and show somebody else because you did it. And it's the same thing with children. You're doing. You're you're helping them develop those same kind of skills to learn, because that's really what education right. is. It's not indoctrination. It's education. So, uh, right. You've got some. You got some tips though of what people can be doing. Uh, let's go through a couple of those things. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, the first thing that I have it's from 1940. You can find it online for next to nothing. It's called the Big Fun Book. And it was edited by a man called Jerome Meyer. And what is so fun about this particular book, Tim, is it's an encyclopedia of just how to have fun. So if you're that parent and you're going, I have no idea what to do with my child, this would be a great thing because it's got word puzzles. It's got number puzzles. It's got classifications. It's got um, short skits that you could do with each other. It's got all kinds of uh, games of action or written games or spelling games. And what I'm doing on my personal page on Facebook is I'm posting, and I started this yesterday, I'm posting one um, puzzle or activity from this particular book and encouraging folks to get involved because, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, I'm going to go stir crazy. I don't have anything fun to do and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. So, you know, there's a book like that. Then you've got, oh, this other one. Okay, this one is um, Educational Games for Fun and Learning. And this was one that I would recommend to all kinds of people. And this was put out, um, you can find it on Amazon, but I got it from uh, the Mungers, and they live outside of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and they were the ones who would always give my children their um, their test for uh, the Woodcock-Johnson to see where we were, you know, and that's one of the things that we had to do as homeschoolers here in North Carolina was, you know, make sure that once a year the children got tested. So we would go and we would hang out with the Mungers, and um, this was a book that uh, – he and uh, he and his wife put together, and it talks about how much there's power in play because children are naturally playful. Well, here we have children home 
and they're they're wanting to be playful, or maybe they don't realize that they want to be playful. But again, if you get them off that school clock, if you let them just sleep and eat and all those sorts of things, you'll start to see that, yes, this playful kid can be found together. You also will understand that there's family togetherness, and you have special times of bonding and learning and memory-making and just plain laughing. And so this book is full of all kinds of games that you can make at home. And it's really a lot of fun. I mean, okay, if you've got stairs, all right, for a basic example, if you've got stairs, based on uh, one of the games that's out of this book, if you have a set of stairs that has quite a few steps to it, you can help them brush up on multiplication tables. Okay, now I would do this with my children, okay? That's how they learn their multiplication tables. We didn't do it with a book. We did not do it with a piece of paper and a pencil. We did it by doing the stairs. And that natural competition that comes between siblings was one of the things that helped spur them on to learn those multiplication tables. But yeah, we would use, uh, the, we would go through all the numbers and we'd go one times one. And if they got it right, they got to move up a step. You know, silly things like that, but not only are you making memories, Tim, you're learning, but it doesn't feel like you're learning. You're just having some fun. And, uh, I would recommend, and, both of these books that I'm recommending, they're next to nothing, and you could go ahead and get them. Uh, fun with labels, I mean, you could do that. You could um, brush up if you're trying to learn a foreign language, you could do that. Another one, if you don't mind more, uh, noise, get a muffin tin, okay, and set it on its side kind of like a uh, cornhole and try and throw marbles or something into it and, you know, score a point. Just see how, you know, just see your motor skills. All right. You've also got all kinds of things that um, a lady by the name of Valerie Bent, uh, she's no longer publishing books, but you can find these again online. It's a unit study idea book. And what is so fun about unit studies is it operates off the basis of what do I know, what do I want to learn, and how am I going to apply it. And so this particular book, she gives you all kinds of ideas of how you could take one subject, let's say golf, okay? Let's say you and your family love to go golfing, okay? All right? Where was golf invented? How was it invented? What were what are the rules? What is the equipment? Where are all the courses? And you could go and look at um, all the courses that are out there and, okay, what state or country are they located in? And that could morph into, well, okay, if it's a different state or a different country, what kind of culture do they have? What kind of meals do they have? You know, so it's natural. It's a natural progression, if you will, Tim, of just how do I explore the world that's around me? And there are no real parameters to it. It just feels fun because you're spending time together and you're learning stuff, but it's not that you're hooked to a computer or you're hooked to a certain textbook that's going to tell you this is how you should feel. No, I, I actually like that because uh, then you learn things that uh, a lot of times you're not going to get in the book. You're not going to get uh, <clears throat> when you're necessarily just online in an online course or anything like that. And uh, you're right. You do engage in certain kinds of things like um, activities, things that do build memories and they do build bonds between the people in your family. And that's a mm -hmm. good thing. 
What else do you got? You you right. got a couple other things that uh, that you've got here for as examples. Yes, I do. Okay, now one thing that is out of print, and I'm so so bummed. This is out of print because I really had so much fun with my kids, and it's called. And I'm going to give you the name, so if you can actually get out there and find it. Oh, shoot, I just dropped something. Um, But if you can get out there and you can find it, it's called the Learning Seeds Activity Library. Now, Tim, I'm going to list off all the things that are covered in this particular activity library. Are you ready? Art, biology, character, chemistry, earth science, electricity, fluid mechanics, geography, language, math, music, nature, optics, physics, and thinking skills. Now, if you get this particular um, activity set, and it is in its own handy-dandy little plastic container, and it's got all the tabs with all the different subjects, and all the cards are in different colors, it gives you all kinds of opportunities to work on each of these subjects as a family. You could use it as an activity together. You could use it as a competition or you could say, you know, if you've got a kid who's really motivated right now and really wants something to do, let them loose with this and see how many of these that they can actually get uh, accomplished. All right, so one of the things that we know that um, a lot of indoctrination is is centered around is character. So I'm going to look at character for for our conversation. All right, here's an activity. You hide a note. The purpose is to encourage appreciation in the sender and self-esteem in the receiver. And here's this suggested activity. So when mom or dad is out of the house, gather the rest of the family together with some paper, pencil, or crayons. And then write notes of appreciation for the missing parent and place them in fun or unusual spots so that when they will be found, uh, they can have a smile. All right, so it gives you some suggestions. Well, hide a note in a drinking glass, tape it to a toothbrush, put it on the steering wheel of their car, put it inside a sock or under a a bookmark in a book. Maybe put it in their bath towel or put it under their pillow. You can then again begin leaving notes for everyone in the family at any time. Write about something they did for which you're grateful. Give your kid a wish for a great day. All right, whatever you think will make the person smile and feel warm and loved. And if ever there was a time that we need to feel warm and loved, this would be it. You know, if you want to extend it to your neighbors, and you can do it, I guess, at a safe distance right now, like everybody's wanting to be or feeling they need to be, you, you know, you certainly could extend it. It's you know, This is the nice thing about this. It gives you ideas and it gives you purposes and it gives you suggestions, but then you can start thinking, well, how can I apply it to, to myself or how can I make it even more fun? Um, helpfulness coupons, all right? This is another thing on character. This is developing the practice of helping others, and that is uh, I'm going to give mom or dad, or my sister, or my brother, or whomever, a coupon. Uh, like maybe I'm going to sweep the kitchen for you instead of you having to do it. Or maybe I'm going to go wash the car, or, you know, I'll set the dinner table all week. Just, you know, all kinds of things that you could do. So, yeah, this one particular section on characters, absolutely fabulous. And I hate that this particular 
library is out of print, but what I thought I would do if folks want to, if they want to find out what these activities are, you know, I can certainly set up something and we can go over those online because, you know, I still have this book and I'm willing to share it with others, so it's not a problem. Uh, you also have, um, oh goodness, you have Dr. Ruth Beechick. Now, she has passed on, but she left us a wonderful, easy set, and again, available, I think, on Amazon. I think you can even find some of her things online for free that you can download, Tim. But it's easy work in arithmetic or reading. And one of the things that I got um, that was encouraging to me from hers, uh, from her work, was the fact that if you focus, whether you're at home or you're trying to teach your child to read or maybe you're just trying to help them do better when they, you know, go back to school, if you focus on the the 100 words that people usually misspell or the 100 most used words, if you could work with them on those, that's a really big help because those 100 words we see every day in almost everything we do. And it's really fascinating that you would think, okay, my language is based off 100 words. Well, you don't think it is. You think, oh, no, well, I'm just going to listen to mom and dad, and that's how I really learn to speak. And that's exactly where we should start is, you know, listening to mom and dad. But she tells you that 25% of everything you, you write is based off of these 100 words that are most often misspelled. So, you know, you could look that up. You've also got, um, you know, read to each other. That's a big deal, okay? Um, maybe mom doesn't like to read. Maybe dad doesn't like to read. Maybe Johnny or Susie does. So Johnny and Susie can read to mom and dad. They can take turns reading to each other. It could be a fun book. It could be a silly book. It could be a very serious book. It could be an encyclopedia. It doesn't matter. You're reading with each other, so you're spending time together. No, I think these are all. I think these are all good things, and they're things that uh, you know. Like I said, used to be done years ago. I can remember in my home, uh, even as an only child up until I was about twelve years old. Uh, you know, playing board games. I used to love to do that with my mom and dad, and anybody who came over to the house. Uh, then mm-hmm. you know, we came over. We had something called Merlin. That was for when I was by myself. <laughs> it was a little red. <laughs> it was yeah. It was one of those little red. I remember things. Merlin. <laughs> yeah, those kinds of things. And then I think Simon came with it, so they became electronic. But um, uh, some of that was you know for me. And then I learned a lot from to Excel. I don't know if anybody remembers that it was an old eight track tape player. They made it up like a robot, but it had all kinds of interesting historical facts and questions it would ask you and you'd interact with it and stuff like that. So you're just saying we're just doing this on the human level here, and we're running out of time here. I want to tell people real sure. quickly, if they want to help support the Sons of Liberty, they can go to sonsoflibertymedia.com, and we have a donate button. We have You can partner with us as a son or daughter of liberty, and we've got a store there that you can help support us in that. And then if you want to help support Lynn, go to commoncoredeva.com, commoncoredeva.com, and uh, she's got a donation button there. You can help her in all of the things that she does to provide information for us every week and then go out into the states and help the people there, too. All right, that's all we got time for for today. Hope you guys have a great Wednesday. Lord willing, we'll be back with you on Thursday. See ya.